Hello, and welcome to Co-OpCast, your one-stop shop for co-op news and reviews. This week, hold on to your socks, because we've got a special episode. Hi, I'm Peter, and I'm here with Mike. Hey, I'm Mike, and I'm here with Colin. Hey, everybody, and I'm here with Steve. Hi, and I'm here with Peter. Wait, oh, man, this is going to go on <laughs> that went full circle. <laughs> so, we are here... Woo! 50th episode of Co-op Cast. Woo-woo! Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say we made it, but I really feel like it's our listeners who have made it more than we have. We just keep producing the content. They're the ones who have to listen to us every week. So welcome, and I hope this isn't your first episode, because, man. (laughs) (laughs) You're in for a surprise. Go back and listen to some stuff. So I think this is the first time we have all four of us been on the podcast, right? We, we did our, our, our YouTube video, and we have another one, Arkham versus Lord of the Rings LCG Deathmatch, coming up in a few weeks, but this is the first time we've all been on together, right? That's true. By the way, we're just going to keep saying that's coming up in a few weeks indefinitely. <laughs> <laughs> it's never happened. It'll never happen. It'll no, never it, happen. It may, it may never actually happen, but we're going to keep telling you it's coming. You, you know what? We're delaying until Fantasy Flight cancels production of Lord of the Rings, and then we can say game, set, match, Arkham Horror wins. Bam. <laughs> Wait, didn't it do that like five years ago? Does anybody play that game anymore? Uh... Insert the game is dead comment. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> oh, man. So uh, we are going to be talking about, and I'm really excited about this, our top 20 co-ops, as decided by all four hosts of Co-OpCast. And we also had a bunch of listeners and members of the Slack write in with their favorite co-op games. And we're going to compare how they ranked the games we selected compared to how we ranked them. So it'll be a really, really fun time. But first, we have a little bit of news to share. Thanks, Mike. Yeah, so as you guys know, I am doing both the the co-op cast and doing the YouTube channel, and it's just been a little bit too much with family and life. So I'm going to move forward from the podcast. I'm still hopefully going to join in every now and again, maybe once a quarter with the team, but it's looking like I can't do this on a weekly or bi-weekly basis. So instead, we have a new guy who you guys heard a episode 48 so a couple episodes ago you heard Elijah. Elijah's going to be on our team now. We're going to have a team of 5 doing all fun stuff on co-op games. Yeah, so we're really excited to have Elijah join us. Yeah, and Steve, Elijah's your friend. Why don't you tell us a little bit about him for those who didn't catch him on episode 48? Yeah, so kind of an interesting story. I'll keep it brief, but um wound up kind of randomly talking on BGG, and I found out that he was local to me, and so we decided to meet up to play a few games and found out our tastes are similar. And so since then, we've been playing basically weekly. And when I mentioned that there was an opening op- uh, coming up, and he's like, yeah, I'm interested in contributing and kind of worked out pretty well there yeah so it's it's awesome awesome to have elijah on the show and colin we'll we'll miss you when you're not there but hopefully you'll you'll come back frequently heck yeah and just so everybody knows as colin said it's not the end of this partnership or this relationship we have with him we're going to still be contributing to one-stop co-op shop and i know colin i've already got him to agree to come on an episode of co-op cast with me and review 
Project Elite here in the future. So it isn't the end of this relationship. It is literally the beginning, but we're going to take a new step forward and, you know, step on Colin because he, he's going to be left behind. <laughs> wow. That's wow, okay. That, that got really dark all of a sudden. I thought dude, that, was, that was a really nice, inspiring speech and that it was destroyed. <laughs> it's okay. I'm a little squishy, so that's all right. When you step on me, you'll sink a little bit. It'll be fine. We'll keep I moving. think we're playing a trader game in this one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we didn't all realize that Peter is going to stab us in the back at the end. This is not a cooperative podcast tonight. Yeah, I didn't tell you guys. This is a semi-co-op cast. <laughs> I love that. Oh, man. All right, so uh, let me tell you a bit about how we created the list, because the format does lend itself to some things, but could also lead to some skewed results. We admit that. This is not a perfect top 20 list for co-op cast. It's the best we could do. So each of us sent me, I was kind of the collector of the data, the keeper of the knowledge, sent me their top 10 co-op games. And I took those top 10 from each of the four of us, so 40 games, and I eliminated repeats, and we ended up with 27 unique games. So we had uh, 13 games that were crossovers and 27 that only one of us said on our list. And I sent that list of 27 games in no particular order back to everybody, and they had to rank them all from 1 to 27, which, how was that for you all? Terrible. That was tricky to do. I like doing pairwise stuff, and I wasn't prepared to do a pairwise for 27. It takes forever, so I just, I don't know. We, went th- we got through by rating it, I guess. <laughs> so I wrote all the games down, and I threw them down my staircase, and whichever one was on the highest step was my number one. <laughs> oh... <laughs> Going down to the bottom. That makes a lot of sense considering your list, Peter. <laughs> so uh, I deserve that. To finish the explanation, uh, I, I took those uh, rankings and basically the games were organized 1 through 20 based on the ones that got the best rankings from the most of us. So kind of like the average of the ranking for each game determined the ranks. Now we're not going to talk about the top set or the bottom seven that didn't even make the top 20 except for one from one of us who put it very high on their list but nobody else liked it at all so that one person might be a little bit sad but besides that we're just going to focus on the 20 games and those are the same 20 games we put out to our listeners so i wanted to take a moment and thank the the many listeners and slack members who wrote in finished a google form and uh voted for these 20 games and let us know which of them are their five top games. More than 30 people contributed to the Google form. They had a chance to tell us what their top five games out of the 20 we had, and then also let us know one or more games that we missed that they wish uh, we had included. What? We missed games? Well, no, we didn't miss anything. This is, this is the perfect top 20 list. How dare anybody <laughs> even suggest otherwise? Of all the best co-ops of all time. Absolutely. Yes. So uh, I did want to call out the games that multiple listeners wrote in about. Uh, all the rest of the games that they wrote about only got one vote, but these are the ones that got uh, more than one person saying we should have included them. So a little bit of a spoiler, these games did not make our top 20 if they're mentioned now. So the first one that got several mentions was Street Masters, which is from Blacklist Games, designed by the Sadler Brothers. One I've actually uh, been playing a bit recently and uh, might be talking about in the future. And I think, uh, Colin, you've also gotten a chance to play that a little bit, right? Absolutely. I don't think you should be including this one. The two people that wrote in were both of the Sadler brothers. Oh, was it? I didn't realize the other one was the Sadler brothers. (laughs) No, no, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Don't put that in the podcast. That would have been hilarious, though. (laughs) 
So we had uh, Street Masters. We had Time Stories, which also didn't make it. Sorry, Time Stories. We had Imperial Assault with the app, where you can play it uh, solo cooperatively. And then the game that the most people wrote in and said, how dare you not include this? Eldritch Horror did not make our top 20, but a lot of people wrote in. And actually thinking about it, that, that could have been, it's kind of surprising. I bet a lot of us would have put it in like maybe 11th or 12th or 13th on our list, but it didn't make any of our top 10s, interestingly enough. Yeah. None of us thought it was quite in that upper echelon. So sorry, Eldritch Horror, you didn't survive. Well, next time we'll just list our top 100 games. And go from there. That'll be a quick process there. Well, and let's be honest. If you think of Eldritch Horror, that game is a long game. And all of us have kids, and so it's hard to get it to the table. I think that's part of the problem, too, is it's just not easy to get to the table. So it's a great game, but we've got other co-ops that we can push on the table, play them in a shorter amount of time. Yeah, we'll see if that holds true, though. We'll see how many of the games in our top 20 are are shorter co-ops. I don't want to say anything, but yeah. I'm also have never won that game, so <laughs> can I contribute to it too? Well, you're just you're just you're just terrible then, buddy. <laughs> I'm horrible. I was playing with Elijah, and I think I single-handedly killed off six investigators on my own. So, oh my gosh, Steve. <laughs> so, so Steve was playing the semi-cooperative <laughs> version of Elder Tar, where he's actually secretly working for the the Elder God. <laughs> there was no semi-co-op. That was fully competitive. Let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Steve was the cultist. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so we're going to jump into our list. And for 20 to 11, the first half of our list, we're not going to go through uh, all of our ranks for it, but I will say what our overall rank was, how the listener rank compared. And then for three of the games, they are our games of shame. And those are the games that we individually put the highest on our top 10 list, but they weren't well-liked by everybody else enough to get them into the actual top 10 for co-op cast. So these are the games that we were kind of dying on a hill trying to represent, but other people didn't like. And So I heard three there, which yeah. means one of them isn't even in our top 20, uh, one of the games of shame. Yeah, so this game... <laughs> So why don't we start there? Yeah, so we start so with... one of us one of us put a certain game at number six. Six out of their top ten. Like a really high yeah. position. Can of I honor. guess who it was? Who could have done that? Who could have done that? And and the rest of us, I don't think I've even played the game. So it was like number twenty-seven or number twenty-six for all three of us, except for this one person. So with the the <laughs> the glorious rank of twenty-four out of twenty-seven. Colin, why don't you tell us about Kitchen Rush? Because I don't even know what the heck that game is. <laughs> that was me? I totally was not thinking that was going to be me. Oh, you guys! I didn't think it was going to be you either. Uh, you guys haven't played Kitchen Rush? Oh, you are missing out. If you like Project Elite real-time games, you're going to love Kitchen Rush. It's just that you haven't played it, okay? Kitchen Rush That's true. is wonderful. It's great for both people that are really into games as well as non-gamers. And you're going around trying to do it. All the kitchen stuff, you're cooking, serving, putting, getting orders, and you're trying to do that within a four-minute period, and you have four rounds of doing that. It's so much fun, and you've got these sand timers, and they're like, uh, it's basically like worker placement in real time. How does that not sound cool? Okay. With, so it's kind of like a Tale of Pirates? Actually, yes. I haven't still haven't played that one, Peter, but from what I understand, yes, because you have to place the sand timer in a spot, and then you can do something there. Is that right? 
Yep, that's exactly right. It's the exact same thing. If I'm going to go to the storage space to get food, I put my sand timer there, and then I can grab as much food as I want. But then I can't use that worker until the sand goes out, and each one of those are 30 seconds. But each person has two sand timers, and then there's one timer that is communal. Anyone can use it. And so you're all like moving your hands all around trying to get food done and trying to get your orders done within the four minutes, and everyone's going in the oven cooking their food and getting spices from the spice bag. Oh, it's so much fun. I can't believe you guys haven't played yeah, this. Yeah, I'll say uh, that sounds pretty awesome. So everyone, we're going to pause the podcast for five days. <laughs> we're going to get your fresh, and we're going to reevaluate our rankings. No. Yeah, so I, I have two things to say about that, Colin. Number one is you should probably listen to our podcast because we reviewed A Tale of Pirates. I did, but I don't remember. I'm sorry. I've heard a ton of podcasts, okay? <laughs> wait, wait. You did that we with your kids. reviewed A Tale of Pirates? Yeah, you did. You and your children reviewed yeah. A Tale of Pirates. I, <laughs> See, I remember that. that. I just game. couldn't remember exactly how it worked. And number two is I actually saw this game at Origins. I was very interested in it going in. It's a stronghold game. Yeah, I had a lot of interest in trying it. I just haven't had a chance to try it. And to be honest, I didn't even realize it was out yet. It's out. Well, first of all, I got it from Artipia from the Kickstarter. So I got the. Okay. Yeah, so that's why I have it. Um, and then the other thing is it's David Turtsey. Think of David Turtsey and other games that he has designed. It is a solid design. I can't believe you can, guys. Can you say any other game David Turtsey designed? Because <laughs> I don't recognize Anachrony? it. Anachrony? The Anachrony oh, okay. solo mode? Oh, Anachrony was gotcha, good. Oh, my gotcha. goodness. Anachrony is well done. Um, Days of Ire. He's designed a ton of great games. He's done no wrongs for me. I love him. Awesome. All right, so with that shameful display out of the way, <laughs> Dang it. let's get to the actual top 20 for co-op cast of cooperative games. I mean, it's, it is fitting that Colin's the one that's leaving, and he is the most shameful of us all. Oh, so, yeah, that's that, true. I, mean, it, I, I modified the numbers just to make that happen. I mean, come on. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I feel like this is Survivor, and he just got voted off the island. <laughs> oh, I am shamed. I am shamed. All right, so our... First game, our number 20 on the list, is Sentinels of the Multiverse. And I gotta say, uh, I voted this one very highly. I was kind of the one that kept it in the top 20, even. But I am very happy to report that the listeners put Sentinels of the Multiverse at number 7, totally validating my (laughs) love of the game. It was, kid you not, the largest difference in the co-op cast rankings a 13 place swing between the righteous who saw sentinels of the multiverse as a wonderful game and the other co-op cast hosts who are confused <laughs> we just like to spend our time with good games that's the difference okay? <laughs> ouch, ouch. listeners you heard it here colin does not respect you <laughs> Arkhamor LCG is not included in that. <laughs> I do actually like Sentinels, but I like the digital version of it because I don't have to worry about the fiddly bits. It's just uh, all that stuff to remember. I mean, I don't generally I don't mind that, but in that game, it, it does bother me a bit. So sure, sure. <laughs> the theme's awesome though. All right, number nineteen, V Commandos. Steve, you want to talk about this for a second? You were definitely the big defender of this. Oh yeah, I love this game. This is a super streamlined design, and you are commandos in World War II infiltrating, doing various missions, and there's Nazis on the board, and you, it's all about stealth. And so you have different states where you can actually grab grenades and wear German uniforms, and I don't know. It's real light, real real quick. Could play 30 minutes or do even a, a campaign that could take like, I don't know, an hour and a half to play. Wow. And I will say uh, the listeners uh, voted this at 
18, so only one off from us. But I would say I, I haven't played this. I bet a lot of our listeners haven't either, so I, I hope it gets more exposure if it's really as fun as you're saying it is, Steve. Yeah, the reason it was lower on my list is I've only played it once, and I struggle with the rules. I think the rules were not well written in, that came out of the box. I think later on they fixed them. But the map tiles were called something weird, like missions or something like that. And when you have more than one map tile out, they were like different missions out at the same time. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Oh, you mean the tiles? Yeah. So it was just weird terminology that really threw off my one play a bit. I am, I, I mean, I ended up getting it, so I look forward to playing it more. But my experience with it is very limited, and that's why it was low on my list. Yeah, terminology is a little weird on that one for sure. All right, our number 18, and this is the second biggest difference in our listener rank and uh, our rank, because listeners ranked this at number 10, and that is Robinson Crusoe. Yeah, I love this game. The whole adventure on an island trying to survive and trying to take an idea and construct these into actual tools you use to try to achieve a scenario. Real big fan of this game. My wife likes the game, too. It's it's good, good times. If you like to die. Yeah, I, I traded it away. So <laughs> was it? I liked it for a while. It, it, it got old for me. All right. We're back to another game of shame. <laughs> we have like some stinger music play there. Like, <laughs> you know, like. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. And this one is, oh, no. Somebody put this as their number five game. They're just so into it. They've talked about how they play it at so many conventions with so many people. But apparently they didn't make us love it enough because it is Peter's number five the mind at number 17 and guess what peter this is one of only two games where the listeners completely agreed with us so you're wrong (laughs) it's number 17 for them too yeah you guys are just wrong i mean there's nothing else i can say about it clearly you don't have the mind to appreciate the mind Ooh. (laughs) (laughs) if you haven't heard it yet ludology just did a great episode on it They're in love with the game as well. There's a lot of, and and this doesn't make it right or wrong, but there are a lot of board game personalities who are really into the game. Again, the only negatives I've ever heard about the game are people who either have played it wrong or people who haven't played it at all. So I, I do still think there's a lot of that out there. It's like people looking at the rules and going, this looks stupid. And I totally agree. Looks completely dumb. But it is a fantastic game and super fun when you play it. And I will point out that it was decently high on my list. It was really uh, two other people that brought it down to such a low place. <laughs> I haven't played it yet, so <laughs> hopefully... Of course! Same that's same the only people that don't like it are the two people that haven't played it. Of course <laughs> yeah, that's mean, what's going to happen. That's what it was for V-Commandos and Kitchen Rush, too. So you know, Yeah, just... it makes sense, now, right? This is the hard part about this list. Yeah, the vast majority of the games uh, following... I've played all but one. I think most of us have played all but maybe one of them. So we aren't going to have this too much more. Another game of shame at number 16. Dun, dun, dun. This one is mine. I'm very sad. <laughs> it was my number three, y'all. My number three got 16. And you want to hear the really sad thing? It got 20 out of 20 for the listener rating <laughs> because not a single person put it anywhere in their list of best five co-op games. Oh, wow. <laughs> and that is my favorite real-time game of all time, Space Alert. I think it is... I, I'm actually kind of surprised. I mean, I think it is older, and I think a big kind of con for it is that it's tough to teach the rules. So if you don't have a group that plays it multiple times in a row, it's a little bit of a hard sell, and I totally accept that. But that being said, no other real-time game for me has the strategy of Space Alert, No other real-time game has the variety of Space Alert. 
like this a ridiculous amount of variety in just the base box. And no other game has the tactical puzzle that I really enjoy. So it's fine. And no other game makes my head hurt as much as Space Alert. <laughs> like it should. Like it should. Like a good real-time game should. I was just going to say, Mike, if we had done this as a solo list, it would be a very different story for Space Alert. But I've tried it with a different groups of people for co-op, and I could never get them into it. So that's why. Yeah, no, and, I, and I'm with you. I, I probably, I've played it like... 50 times solo and probably like 10 or 15 times co-op it's so much easier to get to the board so no i'm glad to hear that you like it at least in some fashion absolutely all right in the last game of shame none of them broke uh past the top 15 so i guess we know whose it is but we don't know which game yet it was steve's number three he voted at number 15 and hey some vindication steve the listeners voted at number 12 so they liked it too Recently reviewed with Elijah, Runebound, third edition with the co-op expansion. Steve, what you got to say? I love adventure games where you don't have to do combat all the time. Like like Dungeons & Crawls, you always do combat. And this one does in spades. So I love the the flow of this and the world feels more alive. And it's just fun leveling up a character. So, yep, big fan of this one. And I'm glad uh, some listeners like it too. So, Steve, you love adventure games where you don't have to fight and you have other alternatives to winning, like Arkham Horror LCG, as opposed to the Hackfest Lord of the Rings <laughs> LCG? That's that's really interesting. I'm, 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 I'm glad to hear that. I, I guess you haven't tried all the strategies in Lord of the Rings, then. Oh. oh. <laughs> <All right. laughs> I'm going to go through the last four in our uh, top uh, 11 to 20 a little bit more quickly because none of them were uh, big ones for any of us. So number 14 is Forbidden Island. Listeners rated at number 15, so very close there. Mechs versus Minions was number 13 for both us and the listeners, the other game that was exactly agreed upon. So a lot of uh, synergy in the last three games there. Hey, everybody. Future Peter here with our number 12 game. Sorry, we forgot to put this in the initial episode. So our number 12 is Burgle Bros. And the person who loved it the most was Steve. So Steve's comments were... I really love Burgle Bros, but have a big problem with one part of the game. The problem of having a player do nothing for the good of the team. It always happens and is worse with higher player counts. It wouldn't be so bad if it was one turn here or there, but it's often a string of turns in my experience. It would be one of my top 10 of all time if it weren't for this issue. Regardless, I really like it, and it's one of my most requested games from my family. Sounds like Steve's problem is that... Once one player isn't acting on the best behalf of the team and they're just trying to do things themselves, the game breaks. I know that other games you can fix this with scaling difficulty, but it sounds like Steve has a problem in the fact that the difficulty scaling doesn't really work in this. Because in my experience, the way it works is if somebody's on the wrong floor, like if they shouldn't be, and that guard moves more than it should, then it's really hard trap to get out of. Or maybe you need to set off an alarm somewhere to change where the guard's going. And if people aren't doing that for the greater good of the team, and to be honest, it's not a very intuitive action to take, right? Like, hey, call the guards over to me so I can save somebody else. So you you almost have to play perfectly, I guess is what Steve's saying, to get out of there with a win. So I guess that's why he's had some bad experiences with it. I do like the game myself. I haven't played it enough to put a full rating on it. I'm sure we will hit a review of it in the future. But the theme is fantastic, and the mechanisms are pretty straightforward and pretty fun also. So a good family game to play, a good game to introduce to new gamers, and especially if they like that 
heist theme. So that's our number 12, Burgle Bros. And then the last game, and this one was interesting. It just barely got edged out by another game. And in fact, I think in the rankings it was tied, but we used some kind of weird tiebreaker to figure out which of them would go in. So this is kind of our honorary other number 10. But the listeners liked it a lot. This one was number six for them, so we were pretty far off from uh, what they said. And that is Pandemic Legacy Season 1. And I'll take the reins on this one. I love Pandemic Legacy Season 1. As you guys have probably heard, Season 2 was a bit of a disappointment for me. And again, I think it's because I like linear stories and stories that progress and have ebbs and flows. And I really love the story in Pandemic Legacy Season 1. I like Pandemic the base game, and this kind of proxied in for me. This was in my top 10 list originally as well. This proxied in for regular old Pandemic for me because you can play regular Pandemic with it, and then when you're ready to progress beyond it, you can play Pandemic Legacy Season 1. So for all those reasons, I think it's great for any co-op gamer who hasn't tried Season 1 yet to go ahead and buy in and get Pandemic Legacy Season 1. All right, so with the preliminaries out of the way, it is time for the top 10, official, worldwide top 10 of co-op games of all time, according to Co-OpCast. What we're going to do for each of these is give two of us kind of the lead talking time, although any of us can jump in. And those are going to be the person who rated the game the highest out of the group and the person who rated it the lowest. And man, we have got some huge differentials here in ratings between the four of us. So number 10, like we said, it tied with Pandemic Legacy Season 1 and our listeners ranked it number 9, so right in line with us. We're going to talk about, and we're going to go with the, the hater first, I think, in each case. So Steve... Can you tell us why Legendary Encounters was number 19 in your list? (laughs) Yeah, I guess between Encounters and the Marvel Legendary System, uh, for my wife at least, we actually enjoy the Marvel one better. I know, I know, booze, here they come. But (laughs) I will admit that the Encounters system (laughs) is a better design game. It's just that we like the variety and the theme for Marvel, so that kind of eked it out, so... All right, and uh, I kind of gave it away there, but Peter, this was your number seven, so tell us why Steve's wrong. So apparently it wasn't just Marvel Legendary that eked it out, but 17 other games as well. (laughs) I was hoping you were going to say that. Let's start with that. Um, No. I I really like this game because it tells a story, and not every co-op game does, and the best ones for me tell a story. And not a lot of games can do it without a lot of text. But they actually managed to do it in Legendary Encounters. It feels like you're in those movies. It probably wouldn't be as high on someone's list who didn't like the movies and see the movies multiple times. But the Alien movies were really good. And just playing through the game, even though I hadn't seen the movies in years, just brought me back to those movies. And I love the tension it brings. I will agree that it's a little bit swingy, so it wasn't at the top of my list. But just for pure fun and the swinginess actually worked for me in this game because it gave you a sense of dread and tension which is perfect for the theme so for me it just really did what it set out to do and and put the theme into the legendary system so it's interesting you like narratives without a lot of text like another game lord of the rings card game Hmm, okay (laughs) 
Yeah, but those are telling stories that I nobody knows. Like, I mean, you have to be really deep into the lore to get into some of those stories in Lord of the Rings. I have no idea what's going on half the oh, time. No, no, it doesn't matter how deep you go into the lore. Do you remember the exciting time that somebody was by a river and there was a troll? Ooh, exciting narratives. <laughs> Yeah, but come on, Alien and Aliens are some of the greatest action and well horror for Alien movies of all time. Everybody knows those stories. That's that's not a fair comparison. But anyway, all right. So our number nine, uh, I'm the hater here. I ranked it all the way up at number seventeen. But hey, the listeners agreed with me because they ranked it at number eighteen, and that is Project Elite. So I'm kind of glad that uh, Colin and Peter are going to review this one because I'm not as high on it. I still like it okay. I I enjoy real-time games overall. But there's some things that I find really annoying about it. Um, If you haven't seen it, and hopefully uh, Cool Mini, when they redo it, will fix this, the alien miniatures look almost identical, and it adds a ton of fiddly downtime trying to figure out which aliens you're placing. But the thing that really kills it for me is that real-time games, I like quick-paced action. Or at least uh, when I'm not having the quick-paced action, I like stuff that keeps me involved. You know, so I haven't played Flatline yet, but that has, like, uh, real-time elements and then slowed-down parts, and that's okay, because it seems like you're still involved during that. Project Elite has kind of the zombicide problem, where you have to move a billion miniatures every turn, and it's totally uninteresting, and except for, like, minor choices that are obvious, because you don't want them to go towards the objective generally. I I just found it very slow-paced and very grindy for a real-time game, and, and that's not what I love about real-time games. So it was fine, and I still want to play it more, but definitely a weaker real-time game for me. But, Colin, you had it at number seven. Tell me why I'm wrong. Well, the first thing is, if you've got tons of aliens you have to move, it probably means you're doing a bad job at killing them. So, you know, <laughs> that would be the first thing, is to actually, you know, kill the aliens, because then you don't have to move them. Okay? No, I'm just kidding. Because, really, it can get overwhelming. I totally agree with you on that. But I, I haven't found a game that gives me that first-person shooter feel like Project Elite does. And I, what I enjoy so much about it is that, yeah, the aliens move during that off phase, during the non-real time, but it also moves during the real time phase. And you're moving them, and your buddy's moving them, and you're all ready, and you set yourself up to kill one, and all of a sudden your buddy moves it just when you're about to roll and attack it, you know? And so then you got to reposition yourself, and you can't get too close to them because then they're going to push you and attack you. And I just, I love all the tactical choices you have to make in that two-minute time period. And, you know, I'm, I the other real-time game I always think of when I think of this game is Escape Curse of the Temple. That game bugs me so much because of the black dice. And you always are like, okay, I can't re-roll these ones, but I can re-roll these. You know, you're always trying to figure that out. In this one, you're always rolling all your dice. You don't have to worry about it. You just see, okay, if I got an alien face, I got to move an alien. And it's so it, you're always doing something. It's so quick. And it just gives you that really fun feel of a first-person shooter taking out aliens. I feel you on that. I will say that I find, having played Escape a lot, I find the alien dice more annoying. Because at least Escape, I keep on trying to accomplish the same thing. But the alien dice, I find, like, breaks the flow of my real-time thought. Which is probably the intention, but I don't enjoy it. 
totally get that. And I and I, I think what's fun when I've done it is before we start the round, we're like, okay, we want to move this these set of aliens up as fast as we can so that this guy doesn't have to move as much to take them out. So it's actually kind of fun because you're like, I want to roll those alien faces just to move them up so he can shoot them and he doesn't have to spend all this time moving. And so you, you kind of get into this really cool tactical, okay, you got to stay here. You, you guard the base. I'm going to go to the objective and try and complete this. And I don't know if you've played with the expansion that included the alien traps, but oh, those were sweet because you'd have to get an alien in a trap and then complete the objective. So you're also being like, move that alien, move it under the trap. You know, I'm going to go into the, you know, oh gosh, it's just, it's so much fun. And it's, that that, that does sound fun. Yeah. And I'll say, I like the downtime between the frantic real-timeness of what's the rest of the game because those two-minute spurts are really what the game is. And I view the rest as like, your downtime, okay, I'm going to relax now, I'm going to get my brain together and get ready for this next two minutes of franticness again. Yeah, I only played Project Elite like once or maybe twice, but the problem is my uh, my buddy John Weber was teaching the uh, game, and we have a phrase within our group called Webbered, and that normally <laughs> means screwing up a, a rule to a major effect, and I'm pretty sure that happened in this game, so I need to play it correctly one of these days. <laughs> We, we have some friends like that, too. We, we, we know what you mean. Sometimes that is me or somebody else. <laughs> All right, number eight is uh, man. So just, just a few statistics at you. It is the widest disparity between any of us and our ranks. So one of us rated it very highly, one of us rated it very lowly. Biggest gap there. It is the biggest gap between the listener rank and our own ranks. And we don't have to talk a lot about it because it's going to be debated later. But in number eight is Arkham Horror, the card game. So, Steve, I cannot understand, by the way, how you rated this so poorly. Like, even Lord of the Rings, I did not rate nearly as badly as you rated this game. Can you tell me why, even though the listeners rated this third out of all the games on our list, like tons of them wrote in to say how much they love it, you rated it number 26 out of 27? <laughs> like, what? Like, you rated it lower than games you have never played and don't have interest in playing? Like, you gotta explain this. And, he trolled and again, you guys. Feel free to keep it brief. Because that uh, was I totally trolling. He trolled uh, in us. A few weeks. Oh. But man, yeah, I, I, like even even Colin was like, it's all right. Like Colin didn't love it, but he didn't destroy it. No, I, didn't, I didn't do that. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know how much you want to get into this right now. But I'm going to save it for the big debate. But there is one particular experience I had with this that even Colin disagrees with me on this one that just did not work for me whatsoever. So oh, Okay. All right. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm very interested. It's a nice mystery to, to tantalize Yeah, we'll with. save that one for the debate. Yeah, and, and I'll also save most of my thoughts. But this was my number one, y'all. So 25, like literally, Steve, if, if you had just gone one more, we could have had the exact opposite <laughs> placement for Arkham Heart. Like, I remember when you put in 27, but come on, man. Just go the full distance. Rate You're going to go that far. You know, like, come on. <laughs> oh, yeah, so this is, this, is my, uh, this is my favorite co-op of all time currently. I love it. I'm buying everything for it. I play it with serious game groups. I play it with my wife. I've soloed it. I think I have. You know, I haven't had it for, how old is it? Like a, a year and change. I think I have like 70 plays of this logged, both cooperatively and solo. Um, I adore this game. Now I'll get into why in our debate and why Steve is totally wrong. But for now, I'll just leave it with uh, my number one is at number eight. And it's sad. <laughs> you know what else is making me sad? 
that we haven't mentioned another game that's also going to be in the debate yet. I know. And yeah, so we'll get to that. We'll get Woo-hoo! to that. It, that means Hold on. I've just invalidated our top ten nicer. list. That's the only reason why. <laughs> <laughs> like, we, we should have we should have just, you know, rated it 27 and moved on with life. Then we would have had the correct ranking. But anyway. So that was number eight, Arkham Horror, the card game. At number seven, ranked number 11 by our listeners, so not too far off. Colin, tell us why you put Flashpoint Fire Rescue at number 19 on your list. Pretty high for a classic game. Yeah, it's a good point. I, I haven't played with the new expansion yet. I just, the game was a little bit too random for me with the fires. I mean, it, it makes total thematic sense, but every time I've played it with any group, they just got really tired of the, oh, well, now the random fire roll made it start over here and that made a hot spot that makes it explode. And you just kind of felt like, you didn't even have control. And although that made sense for the game, it just didn't make it that much fun. So uh, I think it did a great job of, of epitomizing the theme of a fire and flashpoint and having um, firefighters. It just wasn't a game that I was ever pulling out. All right. So Peter, you had this at number four. So what do you like so much about it? Yeah, this game, the expansion made for me. So I will say without the tragic events expansion, it would not have been this high on my list. Now, Colin, it would might do the opposite for you because it adds a lot more randomness to the game. Okay. Even more so than that is in the base game already. And for me, it was the opposite. I found the game to be too stale. It was too easy to put out all the fires and just start getting smoke everywhere on the board. And then that was easy to take out as well. So the tragic events really bumped it up to the next notch for me, really ratcheted up the tension. And maybe that's a theme for me in my co-ops. I like a game that doesn't have too much in the way of actions. Like, I don't want 500 actions, 500 choices in a game. I want it to be pretty streamlined that way. But I love the tension to be high. And I guess that's the similarity between this and Alien Encounters for me. You know, it's a game you can relax and play, but still get that stress of co-op, which I love. I will say that the uh, tragic events really brought this to life for me as well. Like, it really changed the game in a significant way. Like, the randomness you're talking about is there, but I feel like it fixed the ramp up for me. Where I felt like rolling those dice, it would randomly ramp up if you hit those numbers, but now it's it's going to happen. And it's going to happen this, this really accelerated rate, which I felt was a big improvement. I agree 100%. I probably would have ranked this like eight places lower if I had not played with Tragic Events. So uh, I guess we should say this is apparently our ranking number seven for Flashpoint with Tragic Events. <laughs> Without tragic yes. events, it would probably be like up on at eighteen or nineteen with like V Commandos, you know, or something like that. <laughs> or Arkham Horror LCG. I mean, really? No. Hey, hey, hey. I'm just that was kidding. number eight. That, that, oh, that's yeah, a respectable that's right. position. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I'm sorry. Even with a troll in our midst, also a respectable position. The wrong position, but also respectable. At number six, Lord of the Rings: The Living Card Game. And I will say the listeners liked it a lot too. They rated it at number five. Not nearly as much as they liked Arkham Horror, uh, the card game, at number three, but the listeners liked it okay. So, uh, let me tell you why I put this at number 22, much higher than Steve's 26, put it at 22. I'm not going to go into too many details, save it for the debate, but in brief, I love Lord of the Rings. I adore the theme, and I bought this game when it first came out, played it a bunch, got really burned for reasons we'll discuss later traded it away. And when we started talking about it again, I was like, hey, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, maybe this is a great game. I borrowed Peter's set, had a lot more expansions, could do a lot more deck building, could play through a lot more scenarios. 
got burned even worse, and it just cemented. I think this game has fundamental major design flaws, and you'll hear about them in a few weeks. But Steve, this is your number two. Tell us why. It, well, or don't, you know, <laughs> whatever you want to whatever you want to lead off with. So the reason why this is so high on my list is I feel like of cooperative games and having that ability to actually cooperate with your partners, this one just does in spades. Like I have built decks that do nothing on their own and rely completely on my opponent's deck or my opponent's deck. Sorry, my partner's deck. Maybe that's what we're doing wrong, Mike. We don't have opponents. <laughs> yeah, we should, we should play the competitive variant. <laughs> well, there's that now, so... <laughs> they did make a competitive variant now, so... but Oh, yeah. God, did they? I didn't, I didn't even hear about yes, that. Yes, they did. I'm sure that'll be terrible. I mean, it, it, it worked out so well for the Lord of the Rings uh, Rainer Knizia game, like, back a decade ago or whatever. God, did you all ever play the expansion for that Lord of the Rings uh, cooperative game yeah. with... Uh, a, a opponent. It was the worst thing I ever played. Oh, that's the one with Sauron, right? And then there, you've got the hobbits that are moving up the track. Is that the one yeah, you're talking you're, about? You're saying it like yeah. you sound excited, Kyle. Like you're wrong. It's <laughs> I, the worst. I, I, it's I, like no, I always sound terrible. excited, Mike. <laughs> yeah. The game is good. I, yeah. I, I always enjoyed the game, but that expansion was a major miss. <laughs> oh, terrible. Yeah. So number five, uh, and rated number eight by the listeners. Although I will say that some listeners wrote in and said specifically they were kind of using this game to rate this entire genre of game. So I don't know if the number eight for them is specifically this uh, one title in this genre, but that was the Unlock series. And some listeners wrote in to say they prefer Exit or they prefer Deckscape, but in general, uh, Exit Room uh, games were very popular with our listeners as well. So this is an interesting one. Uh, This happened twice. Two of our people rated this equally poorly. Colin and Steve, both of you had this at the identical place, which is really random, number 14. So uh, what are your issues or things you think about Unlock? I I guess it's not that low. 14 is still a respectable number, but how do you both feel about Unlock? Yeah, so for me, I personally preferred the Exit series. So I actually looked at this specifically as Unlock. And I think we actually had this conversation, Mike, with Kayla on the Slack channel. I've had on more than one instance where I've accidentally gone through the story a bit the wrong order because of how things have happened in the game. And then it's kind of messed it up for me. And I just, I didn't like the, you know, you're trying to find hidden numbers and pictures. And then the puzzles were always just ending with, okay, I got two numbers that I'm putting together to put into this app versus the Exit series, which I liked where I was actually cutting up cards and maybe um, even looking through things, looking at the box itself, finding different puzzles through there. I like the Exit series better, but it is only a one-time play. So if I was going to play one, which I own all of the Exit ones, I don't own all of the Unlock. That's, yeah, that's the way it is. Well, but you don't own all the exit anymore, right? Because they're ruined. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good point. Like, what you own is some ripped up paper. (laughs) Yes, actually, it feels very weird when you're done with it to put the whole thing in the recycling. What else am I going to do with it? I just put it in the recycling. (laughs) So that is really weird. And Steve, how about you? What what put this at number 14 for you? Unfortunately, this is going to be a bit of a confession bear meme happening here where I actually haven't played this. Oh, wow. Whoa, you put it at number 14 without sight unseen? You put it 12 above Arkham Horror, the card game, <laughs> sight unseen? Well, I'm really, I really want to play it. I just haven't got it. I haven't got a chance to play it yet, so that's why it's rated that spot. 
Oh man, hey, Peter, can we just get like a shipment of all of our unlock games we finish and send them to Steve? Like for real? Yeah, absolutely. And I have a ton. He's coming up in October as long as he can get jury duty moved, and we can play one because I've got one here. So nope. we can we can try one that way. We'll get fixed. Well, we literally have all of them. Oh, you have? Yeah. Oh my god! But you probably want to sell them, right? Because then you can make money. No, yeah, man. No? We want to. We want to pass the love. They're good oh. games. Oh well, that's awesome. Okay, cool. And and so good. This this blew my mind. Peter, you put this as your number one, which I, I, you know, I love the game, but I was really surprised. Tell us why. I mean, there is no game that I look more forward to playing than the latest expansion for Unlock. And Exit 2, to be fair. I I did use it somewhat as a proxy. Exit is not as high for me because of, well, I don't necessarily agree that the puzzles are better. Because Unlock's got some really creative puzzles, the way they use the app. They use, you know, mechanical puzzles in the app. They use sound puzzles in the app. I really like the way they do a lot of things that Exit just hasn't done because it doesn't have the app. Now, Exit can do a lot of things that Unlock can't do. For me, the thing that holds it, Exit back for me, there's there's probably two things. Number one, the disposable nature of it. But number two, and most importantly, and this will never leave my mind from the first Unlock we ever played, which was the cabin, is the thematic integration makes absolutely no sense for the Exit games. We literally couldn't look behind us in the cabin because until we solved some puzzles. It's like, what? I don't understand. So theme is very important to me. And even one of the most recent Unlock games, it wasn't the best puzzling game out there. In fact, there was really one major puzzle in it. I'd, I'd equate it to Time Stories in that way. The original Time Stories case where there was really just one major puzzle and a lot of it was plot points throughout. There was really only one major puzzle in it. And I loved it because I loved the story it was telling. And I loved how we were going through these cards and and just seeing events play out in front of us. So for me, Unlock does such a better job at thematic integration, and I feel like I'm kind of solving escape room puzzles. So for me, that's why Unlock makes it to the top of the list. But any of these escape room games, the minute we get them, we are looking forward to getting them to the table. Can I ask you guys one question? How many people do you play with? Two or three. Two or three. Never more. Never more. Yeah, yet. so so, so there, it, it is it is a low enough number that we can all feel involved in the puzzles. Yeah. I would okay. never play any of these with four plus. The first unlock I played was at four player, and that uh, was rough. And yeah, the that's, that's yeah. bad. And the first unlock I played was the one where it split up into two groups, whatever that one oh, is. Yeah, that's that's the hardest one of that. Uh huh. Of course, I didn't know that. <laughs> and um, it says right on the box. <laughs> I know. Who looks at the box comparing the other ones? You know, it had the coolest picture on the front. So I picked it up. And what happened is one group got done with theirs and couldn't move on until the other one needed to do something. And yeah, it was terrible. It was yeah, absolutely terrible. We played that one with three. That one you need at least, I would say, two if you're both on the same wavelength. But three or four might be better for that one. That's the only one of the series I would play that high. And in fact... I was feeling so left out at three that a lot of times it'll just be Jerry and I playing, then we'll give it to Mike to play with his wife at this point. So I really do think the unlock game specifically, and I would say the same for Exit 2, are probably best with two players. Yeah, Deckscape with the multiple colors is a bit better for three, but I would still never play any of these with more than three. Cool. And Deckscape, actually, if you play it with three, you might even be able to go through it a couple of times because there are three different color decks, and... You're kind of focused on your own deck unless you get stuck and then maybe you hand it to somebody else and trade off decks with them. So you may even be able to go through it as each of those decks three different times with the Deckscape games. I think that one might have the most replayability because of that. 
But for the others, you kind of have to work on the puzzles together, it feels like, most of the time. All right, so we're getting to our top four, some heavy hitters. And uh, Steve, so I apologize, because I, I imagine, you know, you might already get a little bit of a of strong messages from the Arkham rating, and may, maybe I'll get the same for the Lord of the Rings rating. But I feel like you're probably going to get the most comments on this one. Um, <laughs> because this is our number four. It was the listener's number one by quite a wide margin. Well, not not a wide margin, actually. The number one and number two were pretty close. But uh, still, n- number one comfortably. And uh, <laughs> I think... Uh, Colin, you rated it a two, so you'll get a chance to talk about it in a second. I think Peter and I rated it like three or four or five, somewhere around there. Steve, you rated Gloomhaven, one of the greatest co-op games of all time, according to almost everybody, 18 out of 27. That is the bottom two-thirds of your list. So, uh, yeah, I feel like I was a little too nice to you in that Gloomhaven versus Sword and Sorcery debate, and you got you know, you know got you got delusions of grandeur. So, so tell us, uh, 18, what's up with that? Well, a little behind the scenes, on my uh, top 20 list, I didn't have any dungeon crawls on it at all. And it has more to do with the genre than Gloomhaven itself, where I feel like when it comes to these dungeon crawls, they're just, all of them are so big and wieldy, and they take forever to set up, and you have to play so long. I'm, I'm getting a little burned out by them, and so that's really why it's that low. I, I mean, honestly, if you came up and asked me to play a dungeon crawl like Gloomhaven, Sworn Sorcery, Imperial Assault, any of those, I'll have fun. I'll do it. No problem. It's just that, given the choice, I where my tastes are now, I'd rather play something else. Fair enough. Uh, Colin, you're number two. Tell us uh, some of the stuff you like. Yeah, go to our Gloomhaven review. That'll tell you everything. No, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, I mean, the biggest things for me are the unique characters, the hand management, and just the overall, you know, progressing through, seeing how your character levels up, seeing how it's different, being able to coordinate together. I love how you don't know exactly what the AI is going to do, when it's going to act. Then when you figure it out, you might have to change and adjust plans. All wonderful stuff. I wish I played it more. I always, I will never, ever, ever say no to playing that game. So that's why it was my number two. Well said. All right, so our number three is interesting because it was the listener's number 16. Wow. Whoa. And, and the odd thing is, yes, that, that is the biggest gap. It, it, is, it is as big in terms of uh, them disliking a game compared to us as uh, Sentinels of the Multiverse was, you know, a 13-point swing the other way where they liked it more than our average. And this one is interesting also because it is, except for one other game, it is the game that we were the closest in our rankings. Peter and Steve tied at eight. I had it at six or seven, and Colin had it at five. So we were all within like one or two points of each other. But again, the listener is number 16, so they were definitely not nearly as uh, big fans of this. And that is Codenames Duet. So, uh, I mean... None of us disliked it. I'd say anybody just jump in because it's not like Peter and Steve at number eight really were disliking the game or anything. No, I mean, I'm surprised. I wonder if it's the fact that since we only had them rate five games that just not enough people had played it. And again, it's not in any of our top fives. So it may just Except not for Colin. Be... Except for Colin. Oh, it wasn't mine. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it may just not be top five worthy for a lot of people, but it still may be a great game. So I have a feeling this is more of a flaw in our voting system not that we have a flawed voting system but (laughs) then it would be that that people don't like this game because i can't imagine not liking it it's really fun now if you asked me you know what are your top five co-ops of all time 
it might not hit my, you know, I might not remember this. You know, it might be one that, that I kind of leave out by accident, but no, I mean, it's a super fun, great game. Yeah, I played Codenames quite a bit, and then when Codenames Duet came out, it was like, wow, I'm not going to play regular Codenames given the choice. It just improves it a ton for me. And the reason why it does that is because Codenames, you have two spy masters, and you're kind of like doing all the work on your side. And I know talk game includes the team, but in Duet, everyone's the spy master. Everyone's participating. There's like really no downtime. I just love it. Yeah, Steve, I, I've uh, seen the same thing with Codenames and Codenames Duet. I pretty much exclusively played Codenames Cooperative anyway, but it was really a lot of, you know, like you would sit there thinking of a clue for like two minutes, and the other person would have literally nothing to do except maybe think of their next clue. So yeah, Codenames Duet kind of fires regular Codenames in most ways for me. But Colin, you, you were the highest of all of us in your top five. Uh, what do you like about it? Yeah, that's actually funny because I didn't even put it in my initial top 10, but then when we I saw it in the list of all of ours, I was like, oh my gosh, I love this game. Huh. And so, yeah, I, I think I probably put it a little too high because I was just so excited that or amazed that I'd forgotten it. But that's the thing. It, was, it, it just It's a great two-player game with my wife, but it's also a great four-player with two couples. We had so much fun yep. when we were with another couple and they're trying to figure out and they're writing down nut names or words that they could use and then we're writing down words and all of a sudden we're like okay are you ready here's ours this three you know and they're like oh my gosh this one this one you know and then it can cover up i also love how you can accidentally cover up other good ones that for you too you know how because some of them they match anyways it's just really cool it's fun it's quick you can get it to the table easy yeah that's why i like it so much so codenames duet our number three and we are getting to our top two co-op games of all time so far Number two, ranked number four by listeners, so very close, is Aeon's End. And I'm the odd one out here. I actually ranked this number 10, and and nothing against the game. I really like it a lot. 10 is still good. It's not even that it's not my favorite deck builder. It might be my favorite deck builder, but I like a lot of deck builders almost the same level. Like, I've really been enjoying Battle for Greyport recently, I don't think the Thunderstone Quest co-op is perfect yet. They've still been, like, tinkering with it. But playing the print-and-play, I really enjoyed that. And I, th- and I enjoyed Thunderstone Quest as a deck builder anyway. So Aeon's End is good. I-, I feel like there's better deck building out there. Most of The deck builders I like better are competitive. So Aeon's End still did pretty well on this cooperative list. But I-, I do not love the deck building there as much as I love deck building in a lot of other games. So that's why it's down at number 10. Still a great game, but not the best deck builder out there. But uh, Peter, you had it at your number two, uh, only only beat out by Unlock. So tell us about it. Yeah, it's funny. I'm the one defending the deck builders here because that is probably one of my least favorite genres. I mean, it's certainly not one of my favorites. So it's funny that I'm the one defending Alien Encounters and Aeon's End. But for me, Aeon's End does deck building better than any deck building game I've played. I love the non-shuffling. I love the way you can build your combos. To me, that is an ingenious way of doing things. I know it's really hard to do in competitive games because somebody can be overpowered really quickly, but in a cooperative game, it works out perfectly. Not only that, but I also love how different the enemies are. I can't think of a game that does enemies as well. And I mean, I know they stole it from Sentinels of the Multiverse. I know it's very similar, but for me, it does it better because it does it without all the fiddly bits. And so every boss feels so different from every other boss. And I love the way deck building's done. I love the way spells are done. I love the fact that you don't have to just buy cards with your money, 
but you can do other things with your money. It just innovated so much in the deck building genre for me that it is by far, I mean, I know Alien Encounters was pretty high on my list too, but this blows all other deck builders out of the water. This is really a great game, and I haven't really had bad games of it. Yeah, so just to add to that, I'm really looking forward to Aeons and Legacy coming out later this year. I backed that one, and the, what really drew me to the Legacy aspect of it is the fact that you're actually building your own mage that you can play once you're done with the campaign, outside in any Aeons game after that fact, and I'm really excited to see what we come up with. Yeah, so Peter, why didn't you back that? <laughs> Aeons Ed is your number two game. Why, why aren't we getting a copy of Aeons Ed Legacy for us to try out? It's funny because I own every other expansion for the game, but for me, reading through the campaign, looking through gameplay of it, it really seemed like an intro to the system to me. I I understand it's got the legacy aspects to it, but they really dumbed down game one and game two, and so there's really only like five or six actual games, and first of all, with all the content I own, there's no way I needed any more content. I can play that game every week for the next year and never play through all the content I already have. So I kind of felt like I had reached a tipping point of content that I didn't need more, and I certainly didn't need a way to make the game easier and kind of dumb it down. But if you're new to Aeon's End, I think it's a great way to get it. So we have reached the magical moment, number one co-op game of all time as of 2018, and number two for our listeners, so they're, they're pretty much right there with us, but one of us did not love this game. One of us rated it much lower than the others, and I, I want to hear about why this person hates it so much. So Spirit Island is our number one cope of all time. Peter, why did you rate it so lowly? What did I rate it for? You rated it number three. How <laughs> number dare three. You, oh, I'm sorry. How dare I was you? about to say. <laughs> What's going on here? There's... <laughs> Yeah, so I rated it number two. Kyle and Steve both rated it their number one. Why, why do you hate freedom, Peter? Like, I'm confused, man. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, it's because I haven't played it in so long. Um, and it's not because I don't own it. And I actually mentioned this at our year-end review when we did our top 17 games from last year. Is It's a game that I really like. Every time I've gotten to the table, I've enjoyed it. But for some reason, it just doesn't get to the table for me. I mean, part of the reason is that you have it and I don't, but <laughs> it's mine. Even when I had it in my house, it really never made the table. And it's just one of those things where, I don't know, it seems so easy to teach and play, but for some reason it still intimidates me a little bit. So it, it's a really weird thing with that game because every time I play it, I'm like, oh, this is so straightforward. Like I never have rules questions, never have to look stuff up, or if I do, it's right there in the rules book. I thought it was one of the best rule books I'd ever played with. But for some reason, it still intimidates me some. And for so for, I guess, that reason, I just haven't gotten it to the table. Yeah, and I'll say real quick, so far out of all my 5 and 5 video reviews, Spirit Island is the only game that got 100% cons. Like, I... I mean, what, there's cons? Oh, cons. God. You, you, you gotta re-say that. You gotta say that. You said I all cons. <laughs> Spirit Island is the only game to get 100% pros so far out of all the ones I've reviewed. And maybe there's something I could complain about, but I find that design almost unimpeachable. Like, I find it incredibly intuitive and well done and unique and fun and quick. And it's interesting. I, I rate Arkham Horror Card Game higher. It's my number one, and this was my number two. 
But Arkham had, I think, like a mixed and a con in there. So I don't think the design of Arkham is as perfect as the design of Spirit Island. I just like the the, the expansiveness and the, the storyline and that kind of stuff. But yeah, Spirit Island is such a great game. Um, and just a quick story, I, I played it with only Solo and with Peter and Jerry, like pretty serious gamers. So it kind of in my mind was like, ah, this is a pretty serious game. So one night, like at the end of a game night, it was probably like 11.30, I was like, hey, sweetie, to my wife. And I was like, you want to try this game? And uh, there was one other person from the game night who stayed who's a, you know, not that frequent of a gamer, so not a super serious gamer. And like they learned it in no time and they loved it. And it was so much fun and it went fast. And I was just so impressed by and surprised by how easily casual gamers slipped into it immediately like like they learned it as easily as something like pandemic it blew my mind completely so yeah it's it's a fantastic game just thinking about what you said there kind of sparked something with me you know i don't think it's the rules or the intimidation for me i think i figured it out based on what you just said i actually think it's the lack of story that makes me not get it to the table more I think there are games that I don't even have rated as highly, like Alien Encounters, that the story just sings to me every time I play it. Aeon Zen doesn't have that story either, so maybe I'm a little bit off there. Yeah, I mean, just saying Codenames Duet was the one before Aeon Zen. I don't know if that has much storyline going on either. (laughs) So maybe that's not it, but maybe in this heavy a game, I don't want something that doesn't have a story and that I'm not progressing in. And so maybe that's what it is for me. And again, I've said nothing but negative things, but I love Spirit Island. I mean, it's one of my top three co-ops of all time. So, I mean, it is not a negative experience to me, but I'm just trying to think of why it might be a little bit lower so yeah i had an interesting experience with spirit island where i demoed it at gen con and the demo just did not go well at all it left a kind oh. of bad taste in my mouth yeah the we played four players and the rules weren't explained well and there was just a lot of analysis paralysis going on i mean it's kind of hard when the rules aren't explained well either so i played it i walked away with like man is this supposed to be that good and i just i wasn't like immediately down on it but like i I need to try this again so we are really selling our number one (laughs) (laughs) thanks hey i sold it i said it was great i said it was a flawless design basically (laughs) so uh i was talking this over with colin i was watching the playthrough my my, man that does look really good and the colin's like yeah you'll love this and so uh props to colin he actually sent me a copy and i played it again um just on my own you know being able to focus on the rules and everything and like okay this is good i like this play again like okay i really like this and play after that i'm like okay this is amazing i love it and ever since then i just cannot get enough of this game and and the nice thing about it is i can bring it out and play a game in 30 minutes like just one player solo it's totally doable and i can adjust difficulty just different modules to it and really add to it how how much depth i want to get in and the spirits all unique and i love how how you draft cards can really affect the game. I can, even though the spirits have kind of a certain play style, you can adjust that based upon your drafting. Oh my gosh, love this game. Can't say enough positives about it. Yeah, this game really sings for me, and it's the customizableness of the difficulty that you can do. It's the fact that you've got hand management. It's the fact that you have a unique theme. Most of the time, you're playing, when you think of a game, you're playing as the people building on the island. This time, you get to be the people or the spirits taking out those people. Totally awesome. And then I also really enjoy the fact that at the beginning, you're going to feel like the in- invaders are taking over the whole board and you're just going to lose. And then all of a sudden, something changes and 
totally comes back to how you are building your spirit and what cards you're, you're um, choosing to keep and how you're playing them and how you are cooperating together. That is absolutely the best part. I can do so many things with the simultaneous actions because I can play something here, then you can come over there, then you can do this. And it's such a great way to work together. Uh, It's just, I I love it. All right. So there you have it. Co-op cast number one cooperative game of all time as of 2018, Spirit Island. So it, it is interesting, by the way, I just thought of this. We had greater than games at the very bottom of our top 20 with uh, Sandals of the Multiverse, although we're wrong, and it should be higher. Well, I think that's going to wrap up episode 50. This was our top 20 co-ops. This was a ton of fun. I wish we had more of our pods with all four of us, because, man, that would be fun, although it's going to be terrible to edit. Whoever's editing this, I am so sorry. (laughs) But thank you all so much for joining us. Our plan is that every 50 episodes, we're going to come back to this list and maybe just look to see if there's any updates or any changes or new games that we potentially will add to this list, such as Street Masters, maybe. <laughs> so we're, we'll, we'll go ahead and, and do that every, about every 50 episodes. We'll add Elijah in here, and it'll be tons of fun. We'll make sure to get your guys' feedback, see if anything changes. But yeah, thank you all so much for listening to the first 50 episodes, and here's to another great 50 episodes. Bye-bye, everybody. See you See later. Ya. Yo, my peoples, what's up? I am Jason from the Every Night is Game Night podcast. Uh, first of all, I would like to say congratulations to my friends, Peter, Mike, Colin, Steve, uh, over at Co-OpCast. I've gotten to know you guys. been very blessed to be able to interact with you guys for a year and a half now, hopefully many more years to come. Uh, so congratulations on 50 episodes. I am looking forward to the next 50. Okay, we got that happy stuff out of the way. What are you guys thinking? What is going on with the voting for this list? This is crazy. (laughs) I'm looking at this thing. I'm voting. I'm like, huh, what's going on here? But then I realized, no regular pandemic. My number one game of all time. Regular pandemic not on there. Ghost stories. Time stories. Eldritch horror. Hinabi. Star Wars Imperial Assault. What is going on? I thought you guys loved Star Wars Imperial Assault. And some of the games that were actually on the list, I mean, I'm cool with V Commandos, but what? (laughs) If you guys want a big, fat meeting list that does not miss any of your favorite co-op games, yes, I'm going to hijack the channel and do a little bit of self-promotion. Go over to the Broken Meeple YouTube channel. Luke Hector, the Broken Meeple, and I did top 100 cooperative games. That is so many games. We have top 100 and a couple of more. You are also going to see Salvation Road featured on that list. These guys will never, ever self-promote their game, but it is very fun. Go ahead and check out the other list to see where it landed and a whole bunch more co-ops. We did not miss any of them. (laughs) I'm just being tongue-in-cheek, guys. I'm really happy for you, and I'm looking forward to more. Take care. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Co-op Cast, your one-stop for cooperative game news and reviews. If you enjoyed this week's episode, please review us on iTunes. And while you're there, check out Mindless Fate. They provide our bumper music. Also, check out Colin on his YouTube channel, One Stop Co-op Shop, and follow us on Facebook at One Stop Co-op Cast. Finally, join our Slack group by emailing us at MVP Board Games for continued discussion on these topics throughout the week. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next week. We're still going to be on One Shop Co-op. 
Wow. See, I got that wrong, I'm too. I'm having a hard time today. <laughs> one shop stop One shop co-op. stop of co-op. Yeah, there we go. We had over 30 people participate, and that's pretty awesome, so thank you all. And uh, we even had... <laughs> I didn't read all the stuff you added here, Steve. Hold on. Oh, do you want me to, like, talk about Slack? Oh, sorry. I, I misunderstood what you meant. I was going through the <laughs> analytics of Slack. <laughs> yeah, I was like, wow, there's a lot of... This, this is some detail. You can ignore that, then. Just, just no, no, yeah, it. yeah. Okay, okay. <laughs> we put that in another episode. <laughs> so, uh... <laughs> and that is Robinson Crusoe. And and the silence shows how, how much we <laughs> love that, that one. Come on. <laughs> Nobody has any comment whatsoever. They're like, yeah, that, that's about right. 18 yeah. is about right. <laughs> well, I, th- I thought we were speeding through this part of the list, and we were going to spend a lot of time on our top ten. Well, we are. I mean, I, I thought, like, if one person commented on each game, it would be fine. Oh, okay. <laughs> and we are there at our number one... <clears throat> I made a squeak. <laughs> My chair, like, just made a sound. I made a squeak. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure, oh, it was your chair. Uh-huh. <laughs> Oh, my flatulence is just for all to hear. (laughs) Hey, everyone. Peter here. Just wanted to say that we typically pride ourselves on being very family friendly, but we did have some outtake clips that were too funny to leave out. So I'm going to insert them here after this point. So if you do have any small kids in the room, please turn off the podcast now and listen to them later. Thanks and enjoy the clips. And I, I, I personally love the at the beginning, you feel like you're going to lose immediately. You know, they are just blowing you on the board. And then all of a sudden, that time happens. And it's like, oh, I'm sorry. Okay. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> dang it. <laughs> Wait, what happened? I'm still laughing okay. about them blowing you on the board. Oh, I was going to say, oh, like, I know. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I know that to you. I was, was going to let it go. Like, <laughs> I don't know what you guys are laughing about, but blowing you on the board did it for yeah, me. I was, I was trying to ignore it. I was like, eh, I think it'll be okay. Nobody will care. It's all right. <laughs> I'm terrible. I'm terrible. Okay. I'm that, I mean, that's a, that's a great game of Spirit Island right there. I mean, shoot. Yeah, like, let's go. I was like, wow. What are the Don doing? Thank you for saving us. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> this is amazing. Oh, that, that I'll take. People. We'll have to be for our like after dark episode. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Okay. Go All ahead, right. Callan. Take two. <laughs> And you didn't even mention your top mechanic of all time, Colin. Didn't I? I said simultaneously, right? Simultaneous actions. Yeah. Okay. Did I? Cut, I cut what I just said if you said that. Okay. <laughs> I think I did, didn't I? I must have zoned okay. out for you a little while. It, I was yeah. thinking about, yeah. you know, blowing things on board. <laughs> blowing things on guys. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I wonder By why, the way, uh, the Peter's... reason I shut off my camera is I was crying laughing and I didn't <laughs> want you guys to see me. Thank you for like, doing that. <laughs> <laughs> because I knew it would throw Colin off, so I uh, I, I totally shut off the camera for that. <laughs> oh, that's amazing, you guys. Well, if somebody else want to close that, I've certainly talked to the most. So, or I mean, I can do it. Colin, you want to close this out for your last oh. one? Oh yeah, you're right. I would. Um, I would also mention something about how we're going to make this a uh, iteration or a regular occurrence every fifty episodes. Are we doing every fifty? Oh, that'd be interesting. I mean, I guess we wouldn't have to go through everything, right? Like new edition, like maybe a. A varied format, like new additions and changes in rank and that kind of stuff. Like, I can save yeah. our current rankings. 
<coughs> yeah, yeah. So we'll do, okay. And then we can say we'll um, invite Elijah on there, so we'll have five people. That'll be insane. No, or we're not doing maybe, that. Okay. We're not doing that. No, okay, Colin, then, you're not going to be here anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I'll just be gone. <laughs> it, awesome. It'll just be me and Peter. It'll just be me and awesome. Peter. Awesome. Okay, perfect. <laughs> just you two? Great. It'll go a heck of a lot faster and cleaner, and there'll be a lot less blowing going on. So. I mean, I mean <laughs> and, and Arkham Horror will be like number three, and Lord of the Rings will be somewhere else, uh, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, Lord of the Rings will not be on the list anymore. <laughs> Well, I don't know if that's actually okay. Steve, can you please uh, do something about that? Can you get Elijah to make sure he's on your side? Yeah, no, I mean, actually, yeah, we'll, we'll I figure think it they out. want Elijah on the podcast because he likes Arkham Horror LCG. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, yep. shoot. Well, I, I think I'm going to react my uh, re- react my not <laughs> coming on here anymore. We got to have enough Lord of the Rings here, okay? What is going on? <laughs> no, no. I mean, it, w- once the oh. debate has happened, we'll leave it all on the floor. We'll be good friends again. It'll be nice. I don't think we will. I think this is going to go on forever. <laughs> it's kind of our thing at this point. It's yeah. like the one thing we all can disagree on. I know. Yeah, it's true. Well, and Ed, that, Ed, that Steve doesn't like Lubehaven and Dungeon Crawlers. <laughs> we, that's true. That's true, too. Right now, they're just, I'm just not feeling for Dungeon Crawlers. I'm sorry. <laughs> hey, guys. What? Hey, Peter. <laughs> You, we we finally got rid of that Colin guy, so the next fifty are gonna be way way better. <laughs> I know. Wait, is he still on? Shh, shh. I am here. here. I'm here. Oh, 